have never heard Brother Jonathan. Raise your hand. Raise your hand real high if you've never heard Brother Jonathan. All right. About the same as this, this morning. So you're going to be in for a treat. I want you to give him your undivided attention. The message, I promise you, I promise you. There's sometimes you go to church and you think, you know, so-and-so should have heard that right there. Or at my, every person in the room, this message for you. This message is for you, including me. Amen. So let's give God praise and glory one more time. Amen. Thank you, brother. All right. All right. If you have your Bible this morning, let's go to the book of 2 Samuel. And let's find chapter number 16. And while you're turning there, I want to say thank you for being here this morning. Thank you again to the pastor for the invitation to be here. And I've been knowing Brother Malcolm a good long while, good enough that when I start to testify about our times together, he gets nervous. Can I get a witness right there? <laughs> How many of y'all got friends that if they started testifying in church, you would get nervous? And they, some things just don't need to be told. Can somebody say amen? amen? But I appreciate him and appreciate his friendship and uh, so proud and thankful of what God's doing right here at Temple Aren't you glad to go to a church where the Lord shows up? And that's a blessing. I've seen folks praying during the song service. It's a God-awful shame. Most of our churches, the carpet is wore out in the back, but there's a whole lot of folk never have been to the front. I like to see carpet wore out in the front. Amen. And so I'm thankful for everything that we've seen today and just what the Lord's doing. If you're in 2 Samuel chapter 16, let me hear you say amen. I want to read a couple of verses, and then we're going to go to chapter 19 and read a couple of more verses, and then I'll pray and let you be seated, and I'll give you what's on my heart this morning. 2 Samuel 16, verse number 1. The Bible says, And when David was a little past the top of the hill, behold, Ziba, the servant of Mephibosheth, met him with a couple of asses saddled, and upon them two hundred loaves of bread, and an hundred bunches of raisins, and an hundred of summer fruits, and a bottle of wine. And the king said unto Ziba, What meanest thou by these? And Ziba said, The asses be for the king's house, hold to ride on, and the bread and summer fruit for the young men to eat, and the wine that such as be faint in the wilderness may drink. And the king said, And where is thy master's son? And he's asking about a young man by the name of Mephibosheth. He said, Where is he? And Ziba said unto the king, Behold, he abideth at Jerusalem. For he said, Today shall the house of Israel restore me the kingdom of my father. And then said the king to Ziba, Behold, thine are all that pertained unto Mephibosheth. And Ziba said, I humbly beseech thee that I may find grace in thy sight, my lord, O king. Now look at me for just a moment. Mephibosheth is a young man that was, he was injured, he was crippled, he was handicapped. David has left the kingdom temporarily and is running from his son Absalom who is out to take his life. Because Mephibosheth is unable to leave himself, when David leaves the kingdom, Mephibosheth is left behind. Well, this fellow Ziba is a servant to Mephibosheth. And he comes out and he meets David and long story short, he lies about Mephibosheth to David. 
How many of you know that if you serve God very long, you're going to get lied about? Matter of fact, I want to remind you that some of the greatest people in the Bible, their character was defamed and they were lied about. The devil is a liar. Can somebody say amen? Joseph was lied about. Potiphar's wife held the evidence and told her sad story. How many of you have lived long enough to know that just because somebody's crying don't mean they're telling the truth? Well, some of you have and some of you got some lessons to learn coming up soon. I've lived long enough just because somebody has got tears on their face, it don't mean they have the truth in their heart. And the devil's a liar. He lied on Joseph. He lied on Christ. Christ went to the cross for crimes that he did not commit. Mephibosheth here has been lied about. And David said to this lying servant, he said, if what you said is true, I want everything that belonged to Mephibosheth, I want it now to belong to you. Now, I want you to go to chapter 19, and I want you to notice the rest of this story. David comes back to Jerusalem. He returns from his short, temporary time of hiding from Absalom. And let's notice verse 24 in chapter 19. And Mephibosheth, the son of Saul, came down to meet the king. Now, watch this. This doesn't sound like a man who has betrayed him, does it? And he had neither dressed his feet, that's his injury, nor trimmed his beard, nor washed his clothes from the day the king departed until the day he came again in peace. And it came to pass when he was come to Jerusalem to meet the king that the king said unto him, Wherefore wentest not thou with me, Mephibosheth? And he answered, My lord, O king, my servant Ziba deceived me. For thy servant said, I will saddle me an ass, that I may ride thereon and go to the king, because thy servant is lame. Now listen. And he hath slandered thy servant unto my lord the king. But my lord the king is as an angel of God. Do therefore what is good in thine eyes. For all of my father's house were but dead men before my lord the king. Yet didst thou set thy servant among them that did eat at thine own table. I like his attitude in verse 28. And what right therefore have I yet to cry any more unto the king? In other words, he said, you've already been better to me than I deserve. So who am I to complain? The king said unto him, why speakest thou any more of thy matters? I have said thou and Ziba divide the land. And Mephibosheth said unto the king, yea, let him take all. For as much as my Lord the King is come again in peace unto his own house. Heavenly Father, I do love you this morning and I thank you for your goodness and I thank you for your grace. God, thank you for how faithful you've been to me. I pray this morning that as I encourage your people in this pastor, God, I pray that you would refresh in us that spirit of commitment to you as you've been so committed to us. God, I love you, and I thank you, and I'll praise you in Jesus' name. God's people said, Amen. You can be seated. As we've come to this story in the life of Mephibosheth, Mephibosheth was crippled, he was broken. The Bible said that David sent for him and brought him and basically adopted him and put him in the family of God. 
It was after this time that David flees the kingdom and he is hiding for his life, but Mephibosheth is left in the kingdom even though David was not there. Mephibosheth could not go with him and so he had to live without the tangible presence of David in his life on a daily basis. I want to talk to you about this subject this morning and I want to encourage every one of you to understand and to pray this with me. I want to talk to you about being faithful in hard times during life. How many of you understand that we don't all have the same abilities? We don't all have the same talents. There's some folk can get up and sing and it's like an angel standing on this platform. There's others that can preach like your pastor that has an anointing and a touch and a gift and yet others seem like they have great resources and they can give financially. I know everybody has a place but sometimes we have to realize our place isn't everybody else's place. But there's something that no matter what you do, no matter what your ability is or is not, every one of us should be faithful. Faithful. The Bible says, moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. It doesn't say that a man be found flamboyant or charismatic or flashy, but it says that he be found faithful. I've seen a lot of people get in the work of God and get saved and get in church and they're kind of like a bottle rocket. They, they take off and, and they, they go high and they make a lot of noise, but they don't stay up there very long. And I'll be honest with you this morning, I would rather see you be faithful than go high and make a lot of noise. Mephibosheth is showing us that it is important that we be found faithful. I want to show you three things out of his life, if you'll help me, and if the Holy Spirit will help me. I want to show you three things out of Mephibosheth's life where he teaches us how to be faithful. Number one, notice this. I want to be faithful, and Mephibosheth was faithful, even though there are days that I cannot see him. Did you notice the first verse we read in chapter 19? It said this, It said that Mephibosheth neither dressed his feet, that means he took care of his injury, nor did he trim his beard nor wash his clothes from the day the king departed until the day he came again in peace. In other words, the entire time that David was out of the kingdom, Mephibosheth was committed to him and he still abided faithful. How many of you remember when you first got saved? And when God first began moving in your life, I mean, you'd come to church and every song would just touch your heart. The preacher get up and preach and it seemed like every Sunday he was preaching just exactly to you. Anybody ever go to church and feel like the preacher been following you around with a, with a notepad and a pen making notes of your life? Well, I remember going to church, Brother Malcolm, and it just seemed like the preacher was just talking directly to me every service. I would pray, and before I could say amen, God was already answering those prayers. The sky seemed bluer, the grass seemed greener, and everything was just wonderful for a while. And then I moved into a place of maturity where God began to work in my life. And how many of you know that we walk by faith and not by sight? And there comes a time when you can no longer live off of emotion. Somebody say amen. 
There comes a time when I don't go to church because it feels good. I go to church because it is good. I worship him not because I feel like it, but I worship him because he is worthy of all of my praise. And we have to move into a place to where we are faithful even on the days that we cannot see him. I told preacher this morning, God's let me pastor the same church for 14 years. I preach all over the country. God's just opened those doors. I don't know why, but he has. And there's times where you get up to preach. Brother Carter, you can identify with this. There's times you get up to preach and it's like preaching on roller skates going down a greasy hill. I mean, it's just wide open and God's moving and all you can do is just hold on and enjoy it. Boy, then there's times you get up to preach and it seems like John 3.16 never did get translated out of the Hebrew into the English language. And you can't make Psalm 23 make sense. And people look at you like you've lost your mind and you just stumble through it and go to the house and think, dear God, what in the world is going on? You see, there's times in life when everything's wonderful and he seems to be so near. But it is in those times that we learn to love him, but it is in the times where we cannot see him that our faithfulness is tested. There will be days that you cannot see him. I've been going every year over to the little country of Albania. Been going there eight or nine years now. And Albania is basically just a half step above a third world country. We go there and in the cities they've got eight lane highways and sky rise buildings and you go outside of town and that eight lane road will just dead in into a pig trail and a little dirt road bombed out going to the next village. It's a very strange place. We were there, I believe the second year and we were leaving the little village of Saranda, Albania and we were going up to a little village called Samil, Albania. It was a little one lane dirt road going up the side of a cliff and on this side is the Ionian Sea and on this side was a big green valley just as far as the eye could see. I noticed over in that green valley that there were flocks of sheep down in those green pastures. The fellow that was with us, my friend from Albania, his name is Bimi. I said, Bimi, I said, I see all of those sheep over there. I said, but who's taking care of them? He said, preacher, if you'll notice along this cliff that we're driving, there's men watching over these sheep. And I had seen them, but I never connected the two. There were shepherds sitting on the side of the road, hundreds of yards above that valley, watching those sheep down in that green pasture. Bimi didn't know he was preaching, but here's what he said. He said, the sheep down in the pasture, they don't have to know. Oh, glory, I feel like preaching right here. He said, the sheep don't have to be able to see the shepherd. He said, the only thing that matters is that the shepherd can see the sheep. I thought about this story of David and Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth was used to going to supper and seeing David at the head of the table. 
He was used to sitting with him in the gardens in the evening and conversating. He was used to seeing him in the hallway and talking to him while Mephibosheth could go to the throne room anytime he wanted and sit with his king. But now there's come a time in his life when he cannot see him like he likes to. He cannot lay eyes on him like he wants to. But thank God it is in those times that we must still be faithful faithful on the days that I can't see him I want you to notice with me secondly not only on the days that I can't see him but I must be faithful I'm going to need a good amen right here I must be faithful when he makes decisions that I don't understand has anybody ever had God put some stuff on your plate that you didn't ask for Has anybody ever had God enroll you in something that you didn't sign up for? You see, when David adopted Mephibosheth, he gave him houses and land and all that had belonged to his father Jonathan and his grandfather Saul. But when Mephibosheth was lied about, in that moment, David took away everything that he had given him and he gave it to a lying servant by the name of Ziba. I got news for you. God is going to make some decisions that you and I don't understand. There's going to be things happen to us that we can't figure out. He's going to give us things and the same God that gave it is going to take it away. People are going to walk away from you that you thought would never leave. Things that seem so permanent are going to crumble and they're going to fall apart and you're going to look up to God and you're going to say, Lord, I don't understand why you let this happen. And God may never let us know, but there's one thing you and I can do. We can decide that we're going to be faithful even when we don't understand. (laughs) We've got to be faithful. Faithful when there are decisions that don't make sense. Faithful when there are things that God allows that we don't know the reason for. My wife and my son are here this morning and uh, thank God for my family. I never will forget when we found out we were having Dalton, we had some great friends who were missionaries down in Mexico. And the same time that we found out that that, uh, we were expecting, just a few months earlier, they had found out that they were expecting. Boy, I never will forget when they called and we talked and they were so happy. They had gotten married a little bit later in life and they had been uncertain if they even wanted to attempt to have children. And when they found out, they were just so thrilled. And they called us from Mexico and we talked and they rejoiced. And I mean, it was a wonderful time. As that pregnancy continued to develop and that baby began to grow, they left Mexico and went across the border into Texas and had a visit with their doctor. The doctor looked at them in that visit and said, this baby is going to go to full term. This child is going to develop just like every other child. But he said, upon delivery, you're going to find that this baby has developed all of their organs on the outside of their body. They 
gave them the option. They said, we can terminate the pregnancy now or you can deliver it. But either way, it's only going to live at the most maybe a day or two. Well, they believe as I do that life begins at conception and that's in God's hands, not in ours. And they made the choice to carry that child full term. They delivered the baby. He was born. They named him Jonathan. I mean, this kid's already got a good start in life. Amen. They named him Jonathan. And sure enough, Brother Malcolm, just as they had said, his little hands were perfect, his face was perfect. They named him Jonathan. Did I mention that? I mean, he's all, what do you expect? His feet were perfect, but all of his integral organs, his liver, his lungs, his heart, everything was on the outside of his skin. They wrapped that child up and they held him and they videoed almost every moment of his life. And then just as the doctor said before the day was over, that little baby closed his eyes here and opened them over there. They wept and they cried with brokenness that only someone who's been there can understand. Why? Why? We had Dalton and they were home on furlough and they were recovering from that horrible incident. They came by our house and Dalton was just a little bitty fellow, just a couple of weeks old. And they sat in our living room and I watched as Ellen held my son in her hand. And I watched as my friend Jason played with my son. And they left the house that day and I found a place and I said, God, I don't understand why you let things like this happen. The Lord carried me to a verse and the Bible says, that his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. You can rest assured it may not make sense to me or you, but oh, glory, God's real good at being God. He does not make mistakes. There are no accidents when it comes to his decisions, and God takes us to those places where things happen that we don't understand, but there's one thing we can do. We can choose to just be faithful. That precious couple, now 13 years ago when this happened in their life, you know where they are today? They're not bitter. They're not somewhere angry at God. They're still in Mexico. And the last time I talked to them, they had a house full of youngins from their community that come and practically live in and out of their living room because God has given them the capacity to love children and God has given them a ministry where they can pour their lives into those young people. You see, they made a decision that even though there's things I don't understand, I can still be faithful. There's decisions I don't understand. But not only that, I want you to notice that I must remain faithful because there are debts that I cannot repay. I like what Mephibosheth said to David. David said, you know, I've given away all your stuff. You know, I've taken everything that I blessed you with. And Mephibosheth said this. He said, my Lord is as an angel. He said, whatever you do is all right with me. Basically what he's saying is, is David, I want you to know that I love you. Oh, listen to me. I want you to know that I love you not for what you've given me but because of who you are. 
You see, there's a lot of people that want to serve him as long as he's handing out free stuff. There's a lot of people that want to be faithful as long as there's perks and amenities. But God will take you to a place where you will learn to be faithful not because of the freebies and not because of the stuff and not because of the blessings but simply because he's God and he's been better to us than we could have ever asked for. Got my family here this morning. I've got a wonderful church back home. I've got a roof over my head, food on my table. God's given me clothes to wear. I'm in good health. I mean, I got friends that care about me. God has been good to me. But as long as it took me to say that, every bit of it could be taken away. And if it all is taken away, I still owe him a debt that I could never repay. Why should I be faithful Because when I was nothing and nobody and headed nowhere, he loved me in spite of who I am. Mephibosheth said, David, I haven't forgot where you found me. I haven't gotten over that when I had absolutely no reason to live, you took me in and made me your own. And David David standing before Mephibosheth and Mephibosheth looks at him and I love what he said in verse number 30. He said, David said, I tell you what, just split it. And Mephibosheth said, no, don't even split it. said, let him have all of it. I'm not here because of the stuff. I'm here because of you. <laughs> There's a debt that I cannot repay. I'll share two stories with you and then I'll hush. I read a story as I was preparing for this sermon When Reagan was president and our nation was attacked, the Beirut bombing, our embassy was bombed and over 160 lives were touched and taken by that attack on our country. Lieutenant General Paul Kelly went down to the military hospital to visit some of those soldiers that were injured. He found a young man that had absolutely been blown to pieces. He was at the very center of that attack. This young man, according to the account that I read, he had leads and wires attached to his brain to monitor his brain activity. He had uh, a breathing apparatus inserted in his lungs. He could not feed himself. He had a feeding tube in his throat. Every function of his body was being controlled medically and electronically. The general walked into that young man, put his hands on his shoulder And said to him, he said, son, I want to thank you for your service to our country. The young man couldn't speak. The general continued to to thank him and just tell him how much he appreciated it. And the young man motioned for a pencil and a piece of paper and they brought it to him. And he couldn't talk, but he wrote down on that paper two words, Semper Fi. Anybody know what that means? Always faithful. Here he is, his body has been blown up, his life has been forever changed. He has been called upon to make the ultimate sacrifice, but yet even in the middle of all of the hurt, he says, always faithful. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to tell you what we need this morning. We need a spirit and an attitude in this church that says everything may not always go my way. There may be hard times. There may be difficult decisions that God sends my way, but I want to be found always faithful. 
back during Christmas. I was home for a couple of weeks and not going anywhere. And Miss Amy and Dalton wanted to go to a concert on a Sunday night. Little church up the county from us. And so we loaded up. We didn't have church that Sunday evening. And we drove up to that little church. Beautiful log cabin church. Just a gorgeous place. They had different folks singing. It really was. It was good. It was, it was fantastic. I noticed that all during the song service and during the special music, I noticed that there was a fella on the front left in a wheelchair sitting right up in the very front. I seen different people come by and shake his hand and I didn't know who he was, but evidently everybody else did. They got through with the singing and the pastor stood up and he said, I want our speaker to come around and I want him to share with us from his heart. And they introduced a man by the name of Coach Jeremy Williams. Anybody ever heard of Coach Jeremy Williams? Anybody? You may have seen him and not have known it. Have y'all ever seen that show, Extreme Home Makeover? You know what I'm talking about? Move that bus. You know what I'm talking about? Where they go in and they, they take people's old houses that's fallen in and they fix them up and, you know, give them a new one. I, I told them this morning, I, I've sent mine in three times, but they just keep writing back saying, fix it yourself. <laughs> Coach Williams was on that show and his family. At the time that they recorded that program, it, it, to be honest with you, as there were folks in our church that worked on the house and was in on the program. And when I watched, I thought, there's nothing wrong with this guy. Coach Division, played Division I college football, coached high school football, led a team to a state championship right there in our county. And just, I'm talking about a strong, athletic, outgoing, bright young man. And when they filmed that show, he looked as healthy and as able-bodied as anybody here. But what they knew was at that time that Coach Williams had Lou Gehrig's disease. And if you don't know about it, it's a disease that literally cripples the body from the outside in and eventually handicaps every function of that person that has it. On the show, he was actually helping them work and helping them build, but they knew that as time progressed, it would take full control of who he was. When they introduced him to preach that night. He came forward sitting in a wheelchair. Cannot walk, cannot move his arms, cannot move his hands, could not even move his neck or his head. He doesn't have the ability to even eat. He cannot even be fed. His body can't process it. He has to be on a feeding tube. Matter of fact, it had gotten so severe that he could not even speak. And I remember thinking to myself, how's this man going to preach if he can't speak. His wife rolled him to the front of the building and I found out later that she herself was battling cancer and was going through her seventh or eighth chemo treatment on that night that she had brought him in that wheelchair. He's got a 14 year old son that's sitting on the front row and he also is confined to a wheelchair. Muscular dystrophy has removed his ability to walk and here Jeremy Williams is no physical abilities left except for the movement of his eyes. His wife is battling cancer and his son is confined to a wheelchair. As she backed him up to that platform and she went and sat down. I thought, how is this man going to speak? I noticed, Brother Malcolm, that he had an iPad fastened to the front of his wheelchair. It's amazing to me. It's just 
phenomenal technology. The iPad has what they call retinal recognition. You know, when you get your phone out and you start to type a word, it'll figure out what word you're trying to type and then it'll bring that word. Well, some of us are so redneck, it still ain't figured out what we was trying to say. Can I get a witness right there? Mine's like, uh, I got nothing. Just let's start this again. He will look with his eyes. He will look at letters on the screen. And as he begins to look at the different letters, it'll bring that word up. And by looking at that word, he can verify that's the word he was trying to type. And he can write entire sentences using his eyes. He then has a program that will speak what he has typed with his eyes. And they hook that iPad up to the PA system, remember how it works, and he began to speak to us through that electronic voice in a sermon that he had written with his eyes. (laughs) You know what he preached about? He preached about the faithfulness of God. He preached about commitment and dedication and talked about staying with it even when times are tough. He talked about not quitting just because things don't go our way. And I sat on the front row thinking about what a pitiful mess I am, all the times I've wanted to quit, all the times I wanted to drop out. And here this man is who cannot move anything but his eyes. His wife is battling cancer. His son is confined to a wheelchair and he's preaching to me about commitment and dedication. As he went through the sermon, the only thing he can move is his facial uh, muscles and his expressions in his face and as he was preaching he'd smile or he'd grimace or he'd roll his eyes to go along with whatever he had just said over the system he got to the end of his sermon and he began to talk about people coming to Christ and he began to beg people to give their life to Jesus and I never will forget this as long as I live I pray the Holy Ghost will bury this in my heart He was preaching and he said these words. He said, I want you to come to Christ. And he said this. He said, because you can trust him. (laughs) Here's a man that's lost everything. But he's telling me, I can trust him. Here's a man who's watching his wife suffer and fight cancer as she is his caretaker. And this man says, you can trust. His own son is bound to a wheelchair as he is completely disabled himself. And this man is looking at me and through an electronic voice, he's telling me that I can trust Jesus. Big tears began to stream down his face and he begged people to come to Christ. Brother Malcolm, when they rolled him away from the front of the platform, he sobbed uncontrollably all the way back to his seat, pleading with people to come to Christ. I want to echo his words this morning. I want to tell you, there's going to be days when you can't see him. There's going to be days when you pray and it feels like the heavens are made out of brass. Just listen to me. He's still there and he's still God, even though you can't see him. There's going to be decisions he makes and it doesn't make sense to us and we don't know why he did what he did. But I want you to be faithful because you can trust him. And if we lose everything that seems so important, I want you to be reminded that he's given us a home in heaven 
And he's given us eternal life and that cannot be taken away. And you can trust him. And we need to be found faithful. I want you to stand up with me all over the building. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Nobody's moving around. I want to ask you this morning a simple question. How many of you could say, Brother Jonathan, I'm saved and I know that I am. I have no doubt. I have no fear, preacher. I'm saved and I know that. If that's you, would you raise your hand and hold it up for just a second and let me see it. I'm saved and I know it. Thank you. You can put them down. Now I want to ask you this. I wonder how many of you that are saved and know it would say, preacher, pray for me because I'm going through some times in my life where I can't see him. I don't feel him like I would like to. I can't sense him like I once did. But Brother Jonathan, I want you to pray for me that no matter how hard it gets, that I would still be faithful. Can I see those hands this morning? Anybody like that? I can't see him like I want to, but I want to be faithful. You can put them down. I wonder if there's anybody here would say, Preacher, would you pray for me? Because God's made some decisions that I don't understand. There's some things happened recently that I can't wrap my mind around, and I don't know why he allowed it. And I can't figure it out. But preacher, I want you to pray for me that even though there's decisions I don't understand, pray for me that I'd be faithful. Can I see those hands this morning? Anybody living there? Thank you. Now I want to do this. If you raised your hand, there's some feet attached to that hand that need to be moving to this altar. I want you to come and I want you to find a place and I want you just to beg God to keep you faithful. Don't get out in the low times because the high times are coming back. Don't quit in the bad times because the good times could be just right around the corner. The devil will short circuit your life and he'll get you out in those tough times. Let's be faithful this morning. Let's be faithful. Maybe you're here today and you've never been saved. You've never come to Christ. You've never given him your life. I want our pastor to give you an opportunity to do that. And I'm going to turn it over to him at this time. Let's pray this morning. Be faithful. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for all that you've done this morning. We thank you for your faithfulness even when we haven't been. Lord, I'm so glad to know that you're there. Even when we can't see you, even when we can't feel you, even when it seems like you, you're nowhere to be found, you're there. Lord, there's so many people today that's broken. There's so many people today that's at this altar. They're praying. They're burdened. Lord, they have needs and they have hurts and pains. And God, I pray that you'll touch them this morning as we sing, as we give this invitation. I pray that you'll lift their burden. I pray that you'll calm their spirit. I pray that you'll comfort their hurt. I pray in Jesus' name that, Lord, if there's someone here that's not saved, Lord, don't let them leave without knowing you as their Savior. Lord, if there's someone in the balcony, Lord, that, that there's an altar in the balcony. We have uh, uh, prayer partners in the balcony that will be glad to pray with them. Lord, no matter what the need is, no matter what the burden is, I pray that you'll meet it. I pray, Lord, if they need to be saved, let us take a Bible and show them how to be saved today. Have your way in this invitation. Use it for your glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. We're going to sing. You take all the time you need to pray. Jalen, you sing. Let's all sing. Help us.
you need to come, Jesus don't you put it off. Don't procrastinate. If you need Jesus to do something for you, you come and ask him. You come and ask him. Bring your burden before the Lord. For I cannot bear.